1: and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhammer. And we're back for another patch show of Vancouver Whitecaps and Canadian football chat. And it's going to be a good one we've got some interviews coming up around the league one bc season canadian championship chat we'll look at the white caps news of the week that'll probably take up two minutes off this show with how quiet it's been and a lot more besides as well and it's good to have the three of us back together how how has your week been steve what have what have you been up to Oh, just recovering from a bad back.
2: Um, I, I feel like I got a uh, similar back to what you got. We talked about it earlier. And, I didn't know it was uh,
1: contagious. Just... I'm sorry for passing that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, and it happened right after you dropped off a certain bunch of stuff. So Yeah. Um, so, um. no, yeah, just recovering from that, but just watching a lot of TV, a lot of shows. Well, oh, what are you watching, Steve? oh i actually a lot of stuff i've already seen before like a lot of repeat i haven't i don't really want to start Like the stuff shows i want to watch like the last of us i was gonna and, i was about to say if
1: you started that it's fantastic
2: no i i just i i the thing is is i'm not a i'm kind of gone into the streaming thing where i need to watch everything all at once mm-hmm. uh, like it's hard for me to watch it but i'm gonna try that maybe i'll watch three episodes at least
0: that's that's based on a video game right yeah one? yes yeah
1: it makes I us want to get the video game now i've got to say because
0: I, I don't know about the video game but i've heard good things about the
1: show i haven't watched the, it the sh- yet. show is absolutely fantastic did watch lots of fa cup football who saw the Wrexham game that was fantastic viewing the rest of the fa cup weekend not so much but that was one hell of a game
0: yeah i, I saw I the don't... second half I I told you guys I watched an overhyped boring game on Friday. Mm. I watched a Canadian play on Saturday, which I again I don't usually watch. I was telling you I don't really watch British football, including the FA Cup. But um, you kind of watched a
1: Canadian player in the Wrexham game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, for a while, Um, and then yeah, and then today we watched Wrexham, and my it was really fun. My son because we watched the show, he knows all the he knows all the players and, and some of the chants and. It was yeah, it was really fun, and the game was like yeah, really really good compared to those other two games. It was like it was really really well yeah. Really good the game.
1: the Man city Arsenal game so was bad. absolutely atrocious, which is why I love the early rounds of the FA Cup before all these big teams are in it. It's but that's the thing <laughs> the though one... they, they,
0: they 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 it's not like they played horribly weak sides either. No, it's just a horrible yeah, that, game of football. The, that's the part that was so disappointing. You have the top of the two top of the table teams, they had good squads out, and they were. Like yeah, it was it was pretty awful.
2: Yeah, the one thing about the I, the props I got to give to the people who broadcast the game, the, especially the rexman obviously, is because um essentially they they didn't show Ryan Reynolds that much in the in the, if it was a North American like broadcasting team, it would have been every like minute or thirty seconds it would have been Ryan Reynolds on the screen. But they maybe showed him like in the second half because like, that's all I watched maybe three four times.
0: Yeah, and in less than total. the first half. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I'll, yeah. I'll do this shout out again cuz he maybe didn't listen to that episode that I mentioned this <laughs> but it, we want Ryan on our show in March for our 10th anniversary shows that we're doing throughout March so Ryan hit us up get you on the show got a few other exciting interviews potentially lined up from people that know people little update on tributes that we we paid last weekend I thought Charlotte did a wonderful job honouring the life and celebrating the life of Anton Walks on Tuesday. That was a a very moving thing. Um, We talked about Jay Briscoe last week and we've got Steve on the show this week. Thankfully, Warner Brothers Discovery saw sense and allowed AEW to pay a proper tribute to him. Albeit a week late, but it was very nicely done. To have his brother on wrestling the, the last match was very emotional. The video package they put had me in floods of tears and... Yeah. yeah, it was great to see Steve.
2: And you knew if they yeah. had a choice to do it, that they were going to do a good job. I, I was mentioning to you last week, oh, like in the chat room, that like if they had done it, then it would have been like good, like it would have been a solid job because they, you know, we all remember the Brody Lee tribute back in the day. Yeah, it was wonderful. And it, and the thing is, is like. Yeah, the Jay Briscoe said stuff in the past, but he apologized for it. He said, he, like, he, multiple times, and he said he's it he was just, like, a young person not knowing what, you know, the, how the world works and everything, and everybody said he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that last match, you saw
1: Jay Lethal, like, just basically in tears oh, during the whole match. Oh, I don't match. even know how he could even... wrestle it, I tell you. Yeah. It was so tough yeah. to see, but, yeah, nice, nice to see that that was honored. We will get into the football chat soon. But before that it's time for this episode's hot chocolate boy.
3: Hot chocolate boy
4: he's never had one. Hot chocolate bad one, Hot chocolate boy.
1: Yes, it's time for this episode's hot chocolate boy where I bring you my excursions to the 13th Greater Vancouver, I thought it was just Vancouver, but it's Greater Vancouver Hot Chocolate Festival. We've been out and about. We had two visits this week. One was a revisit to Shea Christophe in Burnaby, which is still the best hot chocolate I have ever had. Uh, It's finished now, so no one else can go, but we wanted to go back and and get it just before. We had it on the first day of it, got it on the last day of it. Winter with a kick, lovely, chilly. Pull apart, spicy, bacon bun as well. That was delicious. But the new one that we went to this week, if you're up at UBC, if you're watching the Whitecaps or any of the games up there, there's a a nice little coffee bakery called Dough Girls. So we headed uh, along to to Dough Girls on Thursday afternoon. Sadly, this one only ran until January 31st. They've got a new one from February 1st. But It was the, the Bourbon Street Banana. Inspired by New Orleans Bananas Foster, it was a rich milk chocolate infused with brown sugar, butter toffee, bananas, and rum. Served with a sticky toffee banana cake and vanilla whipped cream. And I've got to say, that was the best sticky toffee cake I have ever had. It was just, it was hot, it was melty, it was delicious. Hot chocolate was nice as well. I would have liked a little bit more rum. A little bit more of a rummy taste, but it was still absolutely did, delicious. Not sickly did, at all. Did you share it with your wife, or did you just get the same thing? Oh, we got one each. Yeah. Okay. I thought you share my hot chocolate. I saw. I saw your wife's uh,
0: photos that she shared on on her social media. Yes. And uh, yeah, look, it looked good. Uh, I mean, it look. Uh, I mean, it looked delicious. But it, like, probably wouldn't have been like my choice. The sticky bun is not my my favorite.
1: Oh, it's Sticky Toffee Pudding is like a UK classic, but there's a Sticky Toffee Banana Cake, which was a nice little twist on it Uh, as well. Um, So that one is sadly finished. Now, Doe Girls do have Victoria's Jubilee, though, going from February the 1st to the 14th. It's to celebrate Queen Victoria's Diamond Jubilee. Uh, I don't think she's around to celebrate it herself. It says, This sweet and tart combination of cherries, curse and lemon infused with a rich dark chocolate accompanied by a cherry bonbon and vanilla sable. I hate cherry, so I won't be going back for that. Really recommend their Bourbon Street Banana. Also want to give a big shout out as well to Craft Queer, who I've been chatting to on Twitter as well. They've been sharing all the different hot chocolate stuff that they've gone to as well, and it looks a lot of fun. So let me know if you've been out to any of the hot chocolate festivals, what has been your favorite so far. We'll mention it in the next episode. I'm sure I'll get out and about to a few more to warm the cockles in this chilly week of winter.
4: Every girl yelling Wanting him to be the terror Hot chocolate boy He's a sensation a chocolate nation
1: a chocolate boy So you'll be glad to know after 15 minutes of nonsense, we're going to get into the football chat now. And we've had to fill this part with nonsense and non-football stuff because we're going to kick things off by looking at the Whitecaps news of the week. And there isn't any, really. It's all quiet on the Western Front. The Whitecaps did return to Vancouver last week. They were meant to be back training on Wednesday, but they had a travel nightmare coming back from Spain, Mr. Connecting Flight in Paris, saw that some players then got to fly home, some got to spend a, a nice day and night in Paris, a lot worse places to be, but then they had to go to Amsterdam to fly home the next day. If you looked at Ryan Raposo's Instagram stories, it was like freaking fog. Their Their luggage didn't all make it back either, I don't think it was visa issues. I just think it had got lost by, by baggage control. <laughs> and no new players came back with them either. Because the well, interest it's... in Tai Baribo hasn't come to fruition, Steve. I know we're all shocked
2: at, at that. Well, you uh, uh bringing up all quiet on the Western Front. So I'm assuming because of this, all this travel, some people were in no-man's land.
1: it kind of felt like that i I, i'm sure for some of them i mean they left their hotel at 3 a.m and they didn't some of them didn't get home so they left 3 a.m marbella time so you're looking that that would have been 6 p.m saturday they left the hotel and they got home to vancouver on monday evening but yeah no new players came back from spain with the white caps well ty buribo was rumored of course we've talked about him and The last couple of shows, that was a waste of time by the sounds of it, because reports from Eretz Sports on Twitter suggested that Wolfsburg turned down the Whitecaps' 1.2 million euro offer. They wanted more for a player that is out of contract in the summer, but they would rather keep him for the run into the season, obviously to get them as high up the league and possibly into European football for for next season so they're not probably going to look to move him now until the the summer so it's a a bit of a blow for the white caps who are now desperately needing to get another striker in so isn't there a thing where you can sign a pre-contract before in your last 6 months of your yeah, deal or something they, like that they, they could do but I'm guess I'm guessing he's going to want to keep his options open but I'm also thinking oh, the white caps also don't want to wait to the summer to land a striker they need no, to get somebody now yeah so Aside from selecting Karifa Yao in the re entry draft, the only Whitecaps addition so far is Uruguayan centre back Mateus Laborda. And that led to Vani saying this oh, no. at training on Thursday. Yeah, at so the moment, guy. we have only Mateus Laborda as the new arrival. But I think it's wrong to say it like this. We actually have three or four new players because we have Julian shop and kubas too so who had that on their bingo card
2: no but this is not even legitimate this is like like
1: because i know julian they played, played
2: they played till the end of the year it's not like they were injured or anything i like know that. and and the only guy I, was, I i thought they might use it for his caicedo uh, cuz he missed most of the year <laughs> last year so i thought they might use it for this doesn't make sense i don't know they got they got to stop like bringing up this kind of stuff because people just especially the white caps because they grow this is like a, a oh. kind of like a annual thing that they say I know but I, I, I,
1: I saw it Zach I was like oh here we go again
0: yeah I mean I, I, you, you know what I said to you when, when we first talked about this like they really this needs to stop like yeah. the communication people Nathan needs to step in and say hey you gotta stop saying this because it's lazy uh, it's inaccurate it makes them look bad I know they're trying to polish a bad situation but it it's it's really poor form.
2: It's it's better off it's better off going say like listen we only brought one player in but that's because we want to bring in the right players. We're just mm-hmm. not going to grab anybody. Yeah. That's better off saying that instead of um but, and if he had said something like oh like compared to last year we have we added this compared to last year's roster but of course then you say who you lost as well. But it, it, this kind of thing doesn't work. It only works for certain teams that, yeah. you know, that might like, like I, I asked this question once of uh, Peter Vermees at Sporting Kansas City. Like they were like, but there is somebody that actually shows that they go acquire players, but there was like a stretch where they didn't bring anybody in, but they had like four or five injuries. And I asked him that. And so he even said that, yes, it's great that you're but we would have preferred to get somebody in during the transfer window as well.
1: If they're going to go down that road, especially with the players he mentioned, even if he had words that didn't say, look, we made additions in the summer, so they haven't even been here the full year yet. Something like that makes a bit more sense because that's true. But you can't, at this stage of proceedings, class, well, a shop, maybe, because we hardly saw him. But like Julian Gressel and Andres Kubas, it's like, no, no, no. No way can you say that, that they are new players. But... When you look around the rest of the league, especially in the West, every single team is making additions. It's starting to get very concerning. At what stage do you start to hit the panic button and think we are woefully unprepared for this season to come? I think it's already pressed. Mm. Is it on? I'm giving it to mid-February. If we have not got that striker in place for at least some of the games in Palm Springs... Then this is not looking good. Uh, I
0: it, it 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 should be concerning.
1: Like like for me, like I said that they
2: need to bring in whoever they decide to bring in. It's got to be by the like I basically end of January because you you know who's going to be transferred in and out in Europe. Their transfer window is closed, and they need to bring in somebody as soon as that transfer window co- uh, closes. So they know, yeah. like they find out who's. The, Who's not going? Who's staying? And who like didn't get the
1: transfer? So that you get that player at that point. Because our window here opens at the end of January, so for, uh, the oh, first yeah, week of February, yeah. look to see these additions. Hopefully, I mean there are targets. We're told that they are interested in players, and maybe they are waiting to see if some of them line a, up a deal in in Europe or whatever. They just have I'm, to hope that they've got something. Lined up for just
0: for a little bit of clarity, Michael. Right? I mean, factually, they've brought in five players, right? Ali Ahmed, uh, Simon Betcher, Yaoi, like you mentioned, Laborde, like you mentioned, and uh, Gando, because he's a generation ideas player, right? So then, and obviously, he has the visa issues, but you got to balance that with I believe it's 13 players are out, Mm. right? Like, they're just what I'd
1: wanted, I'd wanted the dead weight. but I said you they can only a, do that if you're going to then actually take steps forward to improve the team. And the but they did have happened. an
2: over, they have an overblotted contract oh, roster last year. They oh, had players that they had to yeah, give up. Anyway. And Vanny's talking like, about it just cor- the
1: 22 core.
2: Yeah, Corn- Cornelius. If you're counting that as the 13, he was already not even on the team. There are some other players like that too that were on loan for the full season. Now they're out. So um, for me, like the the biggest thing was like just replace. For me, was replace the players that are leaving. Um, that makes like like for like a Cavallini, for example, and then just kind of build that depth up, improve that depth. I felt like their their starting eleven is pretty decent, but you got to get that depth. That if you're especially if you're going to have a twenty two
1: roster, I I don't know. I don't know whether it's that they don't ideally want to play pay transfer fees, but then I mean the rumor that they were going to pay over a million euros for Baribo, which I think is a very fair value for a. A guy with that record and a guy that's going to be a free agent in the summer as well. Obviously, not enough to tempt Wolfsburg. They think, well, we'd rather, for that amount of money, we'd rather keep him and hopefully he can get us up the league table. Of course, if they get a new shirt sponsor, that's going to bring in some more money. That still hasn't been announced yet. I, From watching some of the FA Cup games this weekend, I was watching Walsall and they're sponsored by Poundland, which I thought, that's not... That's not the kind of company that you want to sponsor your football team. But then it got me thinking, maybe the Whitecaps, new sponsor, Dollarama. (laughs) Also, East Fife are rumoured to be getting a new sponsor. World-known sponsor as well. Tampax, going to have that on the the strip because we're going through a bad period at the moment.
2: Do you think they're just holding off on the shirt sponsor for a big announcement down the road before, just before the season kicks no. off, or do you think it's
1: like uh, oh, I I, think I'm it's that because they have had suitors, is what we've been told? But
2: yeah, I, I have a feeling that like, like I think this is just a marketing ploy where, and it doesn't look good because they do like you know they should have something out there, but um, even if it's rumors, but they're like they, you know you know how they have. Previously, when they uh, do a kit announcement, they they had a big like thing at a, a local establishment or something.
4: Yeah,
1: like they that. had that one yeah. one year at the train place. Yeah, so
2: yeah. so, uh, so uh, that's what i was thinking. Remember they had the Arbutus kit where they did a fashion show at BC Place. So they've had stuff like that. So I was thinking maybe they're because it is a new shirt sponsor. They want to make a big announcement, a big splash.
1: Maybe the shirt sponsor in that case is going to be Cultus Lake. Because that water park, you make a big splash there. <laughs> Full of suggestions. If you want to hit me up, marketing team at the Whitecaps, just get in touch. What my money's are? on TELUS right now. Ah, my money's on EA Sports still. I just like oh, that as an idea. I would prefer EA, I think. But TELUS would be good, because if, if I can get any perks as a TELUS subscriber, that would be even more awesome. <laughs> All about the free stuff. <laughs> But, as I did say, if it was EA Sports and we could get some free games out of it, I'd be happy with that as well. They're off to Palm Springs now, so they're down in California. Six games are going to be playing down there. They're there for the next two and a half weeks. We'll see if they come home with any new faces there. They'll be rejoined by Julian Gressel, who, I just want to say congratulations to him, got his first cap in the loss to Serbia on Wednesday night, got an assist in that 2-1 loss for the U.S., and then came on with nine minutes to go in the second game on Saturday against Colombia. So well done to Julian getting his first two caps under his belt. Mm-hmm. The, the, only the, the, other... cross,
0: the cross is beautiful for that goal. Oh, early, yeah. well, early cross from deep. It was nice. Yes,
1: let's talk about that quickly because yeah. that's exactly what the Whitecaps are needing. And then on last week's show, we played Vanny saying he sees him more as a number eight this year, where you're not going to be quite getting those deliveries from him in that role. No. Because you were on the show last week, Steve. What's what's your thoughts on Gressel as an eight as opposed to a wide player? I
2: I I think like if he, he can like go back and forth, like he should be able to go wide sometimes too. Like my thinking is like the way they have everything set up is that they want a fluid motion, like like a fluid kind of um, formation where people can fit into different roles. Mm. And I think I don't see Gressel as an eight, but uh, maybe they have to play it if they don't bring anybody in.
1: But Steve, we didn't see the homie as a wing back either.
2: Yeah. And that definitely didn't yeah. work on.
1: I, I guess like if they're playing kubis behind the two eights, the two eights can just like drift Wide out wider yeah. a little bit as well. But yeah, that cross was fantastic and it's exactly what the, the white caps are needing. they also do need somebody in the middle that can then put it away. But that's a whole other question. Last bit we're going to talk about in this part. The draw has been made for the Canadian Championship. It was made on Tuesday evening, January 31st. We'll get into the actual draw in a sec, but further details of the draw were made known last week. So I just want your thoughts just on how it's been set up. So there's 14 teams taking part this year. Three MLS, eight CPL and the three League One champions from BC, Ontario and Quebec. Last year's two finalists, the winners, Vancouver, and losers, TFC, they get buys to the quarterfinals, setting up six first round ties, with primarily a, an east-west split. Aside from the one kind of poor eastern team that then had to go on the western side, but with the way that things have worked out, they get to host the game. Because it was also announced last week that four teams, Halifax in the east, but in the one that interests us in the West, Vancouver FC, Valor FC and Cavalry FC aren't able to host games in the first round due to weather or stadium issues. So we know with Vancouver FC, the stadium's not going to be finished in time. And for Valor and Cavalry, you're thinking they're weather related. On the plus side, that means Pacific FC and TSS Rovers are guaranteed or were guaranteed to have their home games. So before we get into the draw, what what's your thoughts on, on that, Zach? Great that two of the three BC teams are at home, but I'm surprised that they're saying Valor and Cavalry maybe couldn't play because of weather. I mean, maybe one of them's got stadium issues as well, but it just it seemed weird to me.
0: Yeah, you gotta think with, with Winnipeg, I guess, is the weather with the weather. Yeah, I don't know. Or maybe is there some horse jumping stuff that's happening? Oh, maybe. I haven't looked at the Calgary in, one right in enough Cal- in Calgary. Um, but yeah, I, I guess April's not that. I mean, it's, it does snow in Edmonton sometimes in May, as we know, but um, <laughs>
1: as you very well know. But no, it that, that good for those two. Oh, right. Really? The
0: biggest thing, the biggest yeah. thing out of this is obviously the disappointment for Vancouver FC that the stadium isn't where it's supposed to be. I mean, as uh, as not I know, they built ago, it in
1: Surrey. Chuh.
0: As not that long ago as uh, as November, Rob Friend was saying publicly that they wanted Saturday, April fifteenth, to be their home opener yeah. against Pacific in in Langley, mm. and now we know that they got part of that. They got they got half of that. <laughs> this is the wrong wrong venue. Uh, or the wrong city
2: yeah they they need to do something like for that I know some people are not into the, the half scarves but in this case it really would make uh, sense considering it's owned by the same you know they're owned by the same group and everything like that and uh, definitely the person that should be wearing it is a Rob Friend that half half
1: scarf how about this Zach a scarf of Rob Friend's face mm. one half is purple the other half is <laughs> whatever colour We're going to end up seeing with Vancouver FC. I don't know. Is it black? Is it silver? Is it red? Yeah, it's all those,
0: isn't it? Yeah, I think it is all those so far. As you say that, my son walks into the room wearing a Vancouver Football Club t-shirt, which is white with, I think, just black letter and black symbols. But It'll be interesting to see what happens because the the weird thing in all this is, I mean, for a long time, they've wanted to talk about publicly the stadium and what it's going to look like and all that kind of stuff. And I know part of the reasons that they haven't is because I think the city didn't want them to at certain times, right? Like even when we were there last April, yeah. they had renderings, they had stuff of what they were dreaming about and hoping for and whatever. But they couldn't but be the, public. The city wasn't ready to do that. At, you know, the, the township, sorry, of Langley wasn't ready to do that at the time. I, yeah, there are renderings <laughs> since, since then, right?
1: That, that uh, Yes, that, there's been some yeah. tweaks. Now, what we did find out this week when the CPL schedule was released in full on Monday was that Vancouver FC hoped to have an announcement around their stadium within the next 10 days. We won't get into like that, the schedule, the CPL schedule and everything just now. All I will say is absolutely fantastic. I feel that Vancouver FC have no clashes with Whitecaps home games going to be great for fans I want to get out to support both teams everything looks ideal but we do know that their home opener is going to be on Sunday May the 7th a 4pm kickoff they're going to be at home to Cavalry FC so the stadium's going to be finished by then at least but we're, yeah, we're actually gonna we're gonna have Rob on the show next week, so I'm sitting down yeah, with him this week for a chat. I'm sure, so he'll give you, I'm sure he'll give you a good update on all that. Yeah, we'll we'll find out what's happening. So let let's get into the draw now and what a draw it has shaped up to be. I have got to say straight off the bat, my big disappointment is that there is gonna be no BC Derby in the first round off it. But the flip side of that is you've got the potential of there being four BC sides in the quarterfinals of the West, which would be absolutely phenomenal stuff. If we get into how the, the Western side of the draw is looking first of all. Now, one team from the East had to make it the switch over to the Western side of the draw. We were chatting before the draw was made, didn't want it to be Montreal, didn't want it to be Forge. Thankfully it wasn't, it turned out to be York United and that's where Vancouver FC are heading for their first ever Canadian Championship game. Not ideal travel-wise for them, because they're going to be obviously on the island on the Friday before that. This is going to be only their second ever match as a club, and now they're having to make a long and expensive trip out east. Potentially setting up a quarter-final and an all-Vancouver battle against the Cap. Pacific FC are also hosting in the first round. They will take on Cavalry in what is going to be an absolutely barn burner of a match. For me, that is the tie of the first round. And great incentive for both of those sides because whichever side wins that will then be hosting the quarterfinal, potentially hosting the semifinal, and then potentially hosting the final as well. So big, big stuff for both of those teams. And then the game, I was particularly waiting to find out the what I was most looking forward to seeing, who would TSS Rovers get? And I, I mean, this is so long overdue. I've been calling for TSS to get in it when they were a PDL team. I thought Foothill should have been in it, Highlanders. It's, it's great that they've finally taken this step. I still want it opened up even further. It'd be wonderful if all the League One teams could, like the FA Cup, have your very early qualifying rounds and and stuff to get in it i think that would all be tremendous but baby steps i guess who would tss rovers get in their first ever canadian championship game it wasn't a bc derby but they are going to be at home to valor fc phil Desantis for the second straight year bringing his valor side back to vancouver this time to take on the rovers and in his midst, they'll have two former TSS players as well, in Jordan Haynes and Marcello Polisi. That's at, at the time of recording. Who knows who Valor might have on their roster by the time that that game comes around. It's going to be a fantastic occasion. We're, we're going to hear from Colin Elms in the next part. Just chatting about that and also TSS's fantastic 2022 So that is how everything is looking in the West. Those ties will be played between the 18th and the 20th of April. We're recording this right after the draw, so we haven't got the breakdown of what days those are going to be on just yet. The quarterfinals would see Pacific or Cavalry hosting TSS or Valor, and then it would be York or Vancouver taking on the Whitecaps. And talking of the Whitecaps, if they want to go back to back, for the second straight year, they will not be facing MLS opposition until at least the final. And then again, there's no guarantee that they'd even face them in the final with the way that the East has shaped out, and we'll come to that in a second. But Vancouver, drawn initially away from home in the quarterfinals, and they would be away to the winner of that York or Vancouver FC game, but just some breaking news, as we were just in the midst of the recording here, Vancouver FC have chosen not to host any matches in the Canadian Championship. So that means if they were to get past York, it would actually be the Whitecaps that would host that game. It would be at BC Place. We'd still get the first ever All-Vancouver Derby and Yeah, it is disappointing it wouldn't be in Langley under the lights. That would be an absolutely tremendous and special atmosphere. But yeah, we'll see how that one plays out. If the Whitecaps were to get through that one, they would definitely be on the road in the semi-final against whoever won the other quarter-final in the West. But they would be hosting the final at BC Place in June if they got all the way through to that stage again. We'll just very quickly have a look at the draw in the eastern side. And in the first round, Forge play host to Laval. Halifax are drawn at home against Atletico Ottawa, but they can't play the games in Halifax. So it's going to be played at a neutral venue. And then the only MLS team that is in the first round, CF Montreal. They're at home to Vaughan SC, the League 1 BC champions. The winners of the Forge Laval game will host the quarterfinal against the winners of Halifax and Ottawa, and that sets up the possibility of an all MLS quarterfinal. If Montreal get past Vaughan, they'll be travelling to Toronto, and the winner of that game will also host the Eastern semi final. But they will be travelling through to the Western champions for the final, which is scheduled to take place sometime between June 6th and the 8th. Fantastic stuff. Really looking forward to this year's competition. Going to be a lot of exciting games in store. The action gets underway week beginning April the 18th to 20th. Let's see if we can get four BC teams in that quarterfinal. What a special occasion that would be. So that's the draw for the Canadian Championship. We're going to talk a little bit more about it in the next part as I sit down for a chat with TSS's Colin Elms just to chat about the fantastic 2022 that the Rovers had and they're pending First Ever foray in the Voyagers Cup. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi
2: I'm Mattel Puzzi and you're listening to the AFTN
1: show.
4: Too much too young
1: Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, we're continuing and we're wrapping up our tribute to Terry Hall this month, who sadly passed away just before Christmas. We're going to be playing three special songs to kick off parts 2, 3 and 4. That one, a track from their 1979 self-titled debut album, Too Much Too Young, was also released the following year as a live EP. And that was from that live EP there. It also gave the band their first UK number one single. A fantastic song. One of my favourites by The Specials. I don't know about too much too young, but one team that's certainly done a lot in their short history is TSS Rovers. Fantastic 2022 for TSS Rovers. They became the League One Champions, inaugural League One Champions. We're going to hear from Colin Elms shortly, just chatting about that year. It's also a year that saw them sell ownership to fans for the club. And they finished it, Steve, with over 300 owners. It's been a a tremendous rise for this club. I mean, we've obviously been media partners with TSS for a number of years now. We've seen their growth. We know the struggles that they've gone through to, to even just be recognized as being part of BC soccer. Now they're BC champs and they've got over 300 owners. It's been a fantastic rise.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, everybody, like I think his Twitter handles, like, you know, got Colin Elms as the soccer pirate. Uh, Now he's just dressed up as King Leonidas and somebody like just, uh, you know, Photoshop his face on King Leonidas and have him kick people over into the well. (laughs) saying this is TSS or something like that like this like yeah great that they have 300 owners it's good to have community ownership like that and uh, hopefully and the thing is it, it it brings the people the 300 people closer together as part of the team and then they're able to bring in other people as well so it
1: kind of like kind of spreads out though it's like a web of like support for the team I mean, it's been a fantastic rise, really, for for this team, Zach. And it it was nice to to see them as the inaugural champs, as someone that's been with them since they came in at the PDL in in 2017. But the the ownership side, I know there's a lot of clubs across Canada now that have looked at this model and a great fundraising way for the club as well. And you can argue how much power do they have as owners, etc., etc., But it certainly captured the imagination. I think a lot of other teams are now looking at this model.
0: Yeah, congrats to them. I think what they've done with the spirit of the Rovers is uh, is great for football in Vancouver and BC and, uh, and yeah, in our nation. And yeah, I fantastic for them to you know win League One BC and get get something that they've been like you said before or earlier they've been trying for for years to get into the Voyagers Cup and now they are and so that's huge for them and uh, happy for them and. Uh, so how, they just got the 300 owner like just recently right
1: yeah so i i think is it, are the they closing it again start yeah it's closed now i think it was either yeah. the start of this year just tail end of last year so it's closed now i want to say it's about 320 ish owners but it's it's round about it, oh okay year well, i thought it was
0: exactly 300 because i thought no no know, then, it's it's a then bit the swan over. guardians could do like some 300 that movie 300 tifo kind of inspired by that
1: that'd be fantastic yeah each of them is another- on a buff body But I got a chance to sit down with Colin just to chat about the rise of TSS, the fantastic 22 they've had, the 2023 that is to come, and as you can imagine, he was very cock a hoop about finally getting into the Canadian Championship. The draw has been made now, we'll chat about that. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, sit back and enjoy our chat with TSS Rovers pirate Colin Elms. So delighted to have Colin back on the show and what an exciting time this is for us to talk about stuff. We're, we're going to look back to 2022, we're going to look ahead to 2023 and of course we're going to be talking about the Canadian Championship. Before we get to the really exciting stuff though Colin, I want to go back a little bit to last year. And what a 2022 it was for the club, not just on the pitch, but also off it, becoming a community-owned club. You've got over 300 owners now. You've won the League One Championship. Are you still pinching yourself as to what this 2022 was like for you?
5: Yeah, Thank. thanks for having me on here again, Mike. It's been a while. It's good to see you. Um, I have the League One Championship trophy just off-camera here. Um, Yeah, you know, it, it, it it was a busy time. And of course, as as you're well aware, we our, our our main business is our youth soccer club. And so, and that wasn't sitting off to the side, you know, uh, you know, being untouched. So it was, it was a very busy time. Um, Lots of unknowns, you know, when you, when you try and do something like we've done with the community ownership, um, you, 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 some days you're like, this is going to work, right? This is working. This is going to, and then some days you're like, is this going to work? You know, is anybody going to buy any shares? Like what's happening here and stuff. And so, yeah, there was the, the weekly sort of excitement stress and then anxiety stress involved in that. And then of course there was this unfolding new league, um, you know, something we hadn't done in a few years because of COVID and there were all these new teams and the new league was kind of, you know, walking around in a dark room. Right, because not not having done any of this before, um, so there was a huge learning curve there. We like to think that we, you know, I was on the phone with with Sean Bagshaw, the GM, and and Gabriel fairly regularly. They ask in our opinions on stuff, um, just because we we'd kind of been through this stuff before, and so yeah, there was a along with the football that was unfolding. There was a lot of stuff uh, spinning around in in the background, and honestly, once it got going. For me, you know, I know you were there um, with Gideon doing the the commentary and stuff. It felt like it just kind of just clicked back in. And the really good thing, and we knew this was going to be the case, you know, when we ran before, we were kind of like, so what is that over there? You know, that USL thing. Oh, the Sounders. Oh, the Timbers, you know, and. But you knew yourself. We would go on the road for three weeks, and it would all just poof. It would just disappear. Yeah, literally. And with the with the, all the clubs being so close together, right, and the freedom, you know, our swan guardians were like, we get to go on the road, you know, and and it's forty minutes or whatever, right. And so and so to have the ability, and to be honest with you, to have the establishment, um, BC soccer, the league constantly promoting. We know all about some of the things that fell short and we've gone through them. We don't need to to beat that over the head. Most of that stuff is going to get addressed, but yeah, it was, it was really nice to have the level of momentum from this. um, Frankly, I've not seen anything like this before at this level of play, right? Um, We're excited to do our PDL USL thing, but this is, this is so different. And yeah, you can argue that the standard, you know, when the Timbers came to town or the Sounders came to town, maybe maybe the standard isn't the same, but all the games were competitive. Um, you know, even even some of the groups that that struggled at the end of the day to get points in the league. You know, everybody took points off everybody, right? Um, yeah, and that's what you want.
1: Yeah, we like it's, both it's men and women was more competitive when than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. My, yeah. my my yeah. Pre- my pre my predictions yeah. at the start of the season did not prove right. I might have inspired well, you guys yeah. by not having you make the final.
5: Yeah, well, you know, you, you take it's all the locker room uh, you know postings, right? There's always <laughs> little things that, that kind of push people along and and we use and manipulate those things to the max whenever we can. And so yeah, having having done this circuit, not this circuit, but ran teams through that period. And before it, it certainly helped us, right. It, it helped us and we still made a bunch of mistakes and left things un, unattended to and, and whatnot, as you tend to do, but, mm. but yeah, there's nothing like experience. Right. And so yeah. we come in and, and yeah, that you know, Will and, and the, and the coaching staff did a fantastic job. The players bought in, um, you know, right through, um, you know, we obviously we didn't lose any players, right on the men's side, like we did on the women's side to NCAA. um, Everybody was there right to the end, you know, a few injuries, Kyle Jones getting himself, you know, a suspension for yellows, which kind of, you know, ruffled the, the, the lineup a little bit, but for the most part, it was, it was pretty clear, clear sailing there for us and never easy. um, You know, varsity um, caps, um, uh, rivers, you know all those groups are are on any given day can you know come up and and put a performance together and and walk away with the three points and so so yeah, you know, getting into the final, I actually on the when it went to penalties i uh are sitting with all of our t s s people up where I usually sat you know the press box up there, and I just got up and walked away. And I walked around the track, and I was going over to get the camera. This was I, this was in my head, right? Gotta get the camera because we had our Veil camera over the other side. But it was a total excuse because I didn't, I didn't want to be around anybody, and I also didn't. So I'm walking around the track, and I'm listening to the cheers because I know who's shooting and who's not, and I'm peering <laughs> right uh, and, and not really totally paying attention. And then I got over to the camera and I was, you know, taking the camera down, right. And stuff, right. Cause the battery had died or um, <laughs> didn't get the penalties anyways. And so, so yeah, I'm taking the camera down and sort of peering through the tripod. Right. Right. And, and then of course the last moment happens when, when Justin stops that. And I had a, I have no idea what I did in the next 10 seconds, but I kind of ran away from the camera for a little bit and, and did my little dance and had my little cry. And then I, and right away went back to taking the camera down and Chelsea uh, and and Cami Gomez from our women's staff came over. They came over to me right away. And they're like, stop. Like you need to get involved. There was huge celebrations on the field and stuff. He said, okay. And so I I got involved. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, you you have these sort of moments where you're like, this isn't this isn't really happening. And I know it's a small thing; it's a little semi professional league in in uh, in British Columbia. It's you know, it's it's not professional soccer, it's not the World Cup or anything like that. But it was our world, right? It was yeah. our World Cup. Uh, After that, yeah, all of what
1: like get get in me. We've been involved with you from the start, and so to actually get to commentate on that final was fantastic. And then i just left gideon to to do the presentation i was like i'm going down there (laughs) he can do the commentary on his own i'm just going to go down and take enjoy and sort of get all the moment i mean there's a good case to argue as well that like tss rovers were the canadian club of the year in 2022 sure vaughn fans will have something to to say about that uh, as well but i mean the two of you were like outstanding teams but I mean, you've always billed yourself as the soccer pirate, but you're kind of part of the establishment now.
5: Yeah. Kind do of you weird, ever, you know, I, do you
1: just, do you look back and think how far you've come?
5: Yeah. You know, some people said, have said to me, and of course, this is all like revisionist history, right? You know, if you, if you didn't do, you know, went all crazy back then with, you know, pushing up against the establishment and getting everybody, you know, upset about different things um you know this would have happened way faster and i'm like i don't know about that and so so yeah it needed the involvement for us needed a a, a a a person or group of people to to basically look at the landscape in canada and say you know what we're not the greatest football nation and there's a bunch of people here that have thrown their lives and money into it and who cares if it's a private business you know Let's just bring these people in. And, and when that happened, I still I stay off social media and stuff, but I'm still a stick in the mud. Right. Like I today, after the draw stuff came out, something I won't talk about what it is, but something went happened there. And I was I hey what's happening here? Right. That, that they can't do that, you know. And I'm writing, you know, the our our league and and stuff. Um, so yeah, we're still we've taken our fight not really a fight, honestly. We're we're just we're I'm able to speak my mind, Mm. partly because I don't have a boss, right? Yes. A lot of these, a lot of these community-based clubs. There's so many layers and you know boards which are changing almost like every six months sometimes, right? Because people resign and move around and and whatnot. And there's not a lot of full-time jobs in the game in this country, and so people are quite careful and protective and and whatnot and so we're not i'm in a position where i and i've calmed down a lot probably to do with age as well um but you know i just kind of i see something that i think is a bit peculiar i say hey that's that's weird you know why why are we doing it this way and stuff and and i think the game needs that oh absolutely it needs people still to, to, we're very, as you know, you, you're, you've been in this country a long time now. We're very polite and, and, you know, yeah, too polite. Yeah. And, and, and I think it, you know, that was the beauty of what went on with our men's national team. They they got sort of in your face, you know, and, and, you know, we're not, we're not going to get pushed around anymore and whatnot. So there still needs to be those moments, but yeah, you know, I, our fight was, our fight was about access and inclusion. Yeah. It wasn't about like, I want to burn you down and you're no good at this and you need to go away. It was just like, Hey, I just want an opportunity to sit at the table. Right. And then I want a voice and a vote uh, on things. And um, yeah. So, so we actually did a, uh, we had to do a, a review self evaluation for, for our national youth club license and for the last sort of um, three, four years. And so I had to write up a review of what what had gone on for us over the years. And I'm like, oh my God, like, and yeah, some of it happened by accident and some by design, but, but yeah, we've, we've had a pretty good run here. Um, uh, I'm sure there'll be moments where that run ends, but the reality is, is, is lots of really wonderful, fortunate things have happened to this organization last a while and then this you know we got a youth program that that is you know still probably what's that league one thing you know um because that's kind of how the youth uh soccer industry sort of rolls but but this is i'm not going to say this is the biggest thing but it's pretty darn big this is pretty darn big to sit there and uh, watching you know, Wheeler on one soccer say TSS Rovers, that's just bizarre. That's oh, bizarre. To, to, to like, see
1: your name yeah. first out of a draw really? as well in a cup competition. But like, let's get into that now. Let's yeah. move into 2023. Sure. We're doing this right after the Canadian Championship draw. TSS yep. Rovers, the first ball out. Now, when they were moving everything around from the east to the west, we were chatting in our AFTN chat and we're going – I don't want it to be Montreal and I don't want it to be Forge. And then it's turned out that it was York, which was great because now yeah. we've got a draw, which the disappointing thing is, yeah, there's no first round BC derbies, but there could be four BC teams in the quarterfinals. You've got Valor FC coming who I've got to say, I think Phil DeSantis has built a good team last year. Yeah. He's made some strong additions this off season and I, I'm tipping Valor to be a top four side in the CPL. You've got two former players at least yeah. coming back, Marcello Polisi. Obviously, the Polisi names are very much associated with TSS. Jordan Haynes as well. Talk us through your emotions when the draw took place. Talk us through what you thought about getting Valor.
5: Yeah, well, we the rumors started to circulate early here in the last week or two that we're, you know, cause we declared our home venue um, that we were going to get a home game that of course got confirmed basically today because up till June, June, January 29th, um, everybody had to go and fill out a survey for Canada soccer for this competition. And they had to declare your home, home venues. Um, this was what what was a bit weird for us today. Because I was of the understanding that if I wanted to play at home, I had to declare the, the, our facility available for the entire competition, right? And it appears that maybe that's not the case now. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And, and so we knew we were going to be home, um, uh, and and clearly we were going to play a professional soccer team, um, Unlike you, which you just said, oh, don't, don't be, you know, we were like, hey, maybe Montreal, right? Maybe Montreal's going to be on our side. Um, See, I, I always it, want the tie that you've got a really good chance of winning. Yeah, fair
1: enough. <laughs> fair
5: enough. There's a, there's that. And then there's the, the actual well, business clearly and the glamour part of it.
1: Right? Well, yeah. You'll make more and, money from Montreal game. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. And just more coverage. Do you know what I mean? Like just more, more, um, and then, and then frankly, more giant killing. Right, you know, you look at is it Darville?
1: Yes, Darville Aberdeen was
5: absolutely yeah. tremendous. So yeah, th- those sort of things put you on the map like instantly. Yeah. Kind of like the draw tonight, I guess, to some degree on the map more, but something like that. So yeah, I'm not certainly not dismissing our opponent by any stretch of the imagination. This is, we know who we are, right? We know what's uh, ahead of us. Um, but it's ninety minutes on a grass field, right? And weird stuff happens or doesn't happen, right? And and momentum happens, and so you, you just never know, right? Um, what are we? We're one one week into the CPL season. One week yet. Yeah, one week into the CPL season,
1: yeah. but obviously your season hasn't started yet. So this is your yeah. first game of the year. True.
5: True. We have as part of our our involvement here, we had to to prove like we couldn't just show up on the 18th, right? Yeah, I was wondering if I was getting a game for you guys or not. <laughs> yeah, we we we've we actually uh we began camp on March 20, which is really early. Um and that's created some challenges um that I think we've pretty well overcome with a lot of our players. Um there some are off busy getting dispensation to return early from their schools
1: ah good been on the phone
5: a little bit and obviously academically just walking away which to be honest with you with the way the pandemic rolled that's not such a big deal you know Mm. doing stuff online um isn't isn't you know like it would be if we'd had no pandemic right then the university's probably been like you're not doing that right so yeah, we got a little bit more work to do there but we've we've you know we've the other, the other unknown for us, Mike, is is that that um, you know we still may lose some players, right? Well, yeah, because I, I know I know some
1: of your players are. I've I've seen them at the trials of Vancouver FC. That's
5: all I'll say. And that's our job, by the way. Yes, we know that that this, as we like to say, and we've said it many times, our job is to never see you again, right? Yeah. We've moved you up. You, so, you,
1: you already yeah. move like Bella Rocks off to France on the women's side and Gabe Escobar, obviously, over yeah. to Halifax. Fantastic.
5: Yeah. And so and so if, if some of the players that we've rostered for this particular uh, competition move up into the higher levels of the game, that's another trophy for us. Right. And so so we have to kind of wait to see what happens there. Um, and yeah, we we're, it won't be our first game. Uh, we're going to play the University of Washington Huskies. Um, uh, uh, down there. We're actually going to go down there to play them. Um, and we've got uh, one or two other fixtures that, that we'll, we'll uh, uh, finalize here in the next couple of weeks. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, you know we're doing some cool stuff. Uh, Chelsea Hannison's actually on the coaching staff for the Canadian Championship. And oh,
1: fantastic, because she was running the trials at Vancouver FC. Yeah. And she, they were spitting very her highly. Right, of
5: her. right through from March 20th onwards until the women's, uh, our women's team will start on the 11th this year. Um, and we're doing something, this will help you, because I know you go out from time to time to, to talk and film and stuff. Both our men's and women's teams are going to train at Burnaby Lake side by side at 10 a.m. Excellent.
1: Yeah. Since since it's five minutes up the road, you'll be seeing a lot of me. Yeah,
5: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so lots of work to do there still. The women's team's building. Obviously, the men's team
1: is... Well, Talking of the coaching, now, some people might not know, but Will Cromack has taken a new job and he's moved out to Ontario, but he is back for the Canadian Championship yeah. Games. He's going to be your head coach.
5: I'm just going to say, Mike, his family, he moved his family for lifestyle reasons. It wasn't a new job. Um, he literally like sold his place on the North Shore and bought a house for cash in London, Ontario. Right. Oh. And so, so yeah, he wasn't, it was funny because some of our parents, our youth parents were like, you know, as Will left to go to greener pastures, you know, higher level of soccer. And I'm like, well, no, not really. You know, he's working with the FC London in the Mm. youth. uh, They're a NYCL OPDL team like we are right. Um, They have a league one team in Ontario, like, like we do, Will's working with, uh, now he's, he wasn't going to do it right away, but of course they drew him in. He's, I think he's working with their U-17 boys and then he's assisting with his daughter's U-13 team and whatnot. And so he's, yeah, he's, he, once this Canadian championship thing sort of kicked up, he was like, I'm coming back. And so he's back. That's fair. Yeah. He's going to arrive, I think on like the 18th of March and, Probably stay at his parents' house or sleep on somebody's couch. He's already got a car, and he's and he's here until this is over, right? Oh, so June eighth, <laughs> yeah, which could be April nineteenth, right, or twentieth, um, or it could be later on. We'll see. And then um, and the announcement, I think, has somewhat been made, but not maybe officially. Uh, when Will steps away, Darren Rusher, who's been our assistant coach over the last season and longtime uh, staff member with our group. We've been running our U18s uh, in the Fraser Valley Soccer League for many years. Uh, Darren's going to take uh, take the team over. And Ross Kenny, who was helping with us last year, got a full-time job with the Whitecaps. And so he's with their um, one of their MLS, uh, pre-MLS uh, groups, the U17 group, I think. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, we got we got a couple... Our goalkeeper coach, there's a few people, same people returning, but we've got one or two new faces that we'll be announcing here probably in the next week or so. We just announced our women's staff. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah,
1: saw that. So that, that was good. It's great. Yeah. Chelsea's back. So obviously I'm I'm delighted yeah. by that because I think she's absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. just, that, just to that, focus, right. like I'll talk a little bit about the women in a sec, yeah. but just the on the men's thing, your roster for League One, my understanding is, it can be different for the Canadian Championship. So you might be able, not to bring in some ringers, but you can have some different guys on that roster. Is that right?
5: Yeah. We were allowed to, um, we had to declare a roster of uh, maximum 50 players. We laughed because we didn't have 50 um, on November 30th. And of those 50, Mike, 10 could be new to the organization, okay. not involved in the uh in the, in the league one and league one finals and stuff like that. So you can have like
1: league one all-stars if you wanted.
5: Yeah. So we've, as I've said to some of our, our peers in the league, Hey, you know what? If you go and win this thing and get into the Canadian championship, you'll attract players too. Right. The reality is, is when, when the season ends, everybody goes back into the pile. Right. And, and so, yeah. So we, we th- there's some additions. We'll be announcing the squad in the next little while. There's some additions there that you'll go, Oh, really? Right. Um, and we didn't, anybody that wanted to come and be involved with us, this wasn't a, Hey, I want to come play in the Canadian championship. And then yeah. I'm going to go now at the end of the day, this is amateur soccer. Um, and if somebody wants to leave us after the Canadian championship We'd be super disappointed, but we're not going to certainly stand in their way. But it was pretty clear to the people coming in and the players returning that this wasn't just about April 18, 19, 20. This is about League One, right? This is about April 29th to July 23rd um, and beyond from a from a playoff perspective. And so we brought back and recruited new players based on the fact that this Canadian championship game and of course only 18 can get on the roster right um it was a it was the Canadian championship part was a bonus and so the the players have come here knowing that they're going to have to work like crazy to get themselves onto that roster but if it doesn't work out for them we expect them to be here for the this the season moving forward so yeah
1: that's fair yeah. the the season plans were announced today So, obviously, there's a new team in the league, Harborside FC. Nice, expensive ferry journey for you, but it's great to have an island team in the north now for the the island derby. But one of the big things that was announced is the the change to the playoffs. We're going to talk about that in the next part of the show because we sat down with with Sean Bagshaw earlier today as well. So, the way that the new rules are, you wouldn't be in the Canadian Championship next season because you only finished second in the league. It's going right. to be the regular season champs that, that move on. But what do you think and, about and that?
5: Honestly, we fully support that, right? Yeah, I quite like that as well. It needs, the way it needs to be. Um, obviously, the women's uh, thing is a little bit different. I don't know if you're aware of this, but we're actually hosting the interprovincial champs. Yes,
1: I saw that. Someone did an interview and, with Dino Rossi. So
5: on the women's side, two entries. Yeah, just like uh, Ontario did. Um, this oh past.
1: yeah, yeah, because Quebec held it last year and they had the two.
5: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, it was Quebec. You're yeah. right. Yeah, two, two from Quebec. Um, so whenever you host that thing, you you get you get two. Now, what does that mean? That means that the league winner um, gets a spot, right? In in that, um, and then it'll be the second, the loser. the the winner of the championship. Right. FA Cup, as we call it. And and if that's the same team, then it'll be the, I believe it's the second place in that competition, not the second place in the standings. That's That's
1: that's
5: fair. Yeah. The playoff thing, we voted on it. I'll be honest. We, we were like, no, let's keep this like not North American football. And, uh, but we got outvoted. That's okay. Um, uh, and so, yeah, there's a final four weekend and um and then of course, a final on the b c day long weekend, which is, as you know, is a bit different than last season so yeah <laughs> last thing to ask you
1: the obviously a lot of success in twenty twenty two and folk are gonna keep looking for you to to continue that success. Do you feel the pressure on you to keep building this thing, and how yeah. how big can you? realistically how big could you get i
5: think there's an external pressure all eyes are upon you right um and certainly the the players already know that are with us that you you, you want to be back in this with this opportunity again in 2024 you need to have the most points in the league right and and they're at the age where we training to win is is you got to you got to figure out ways right but internally, internally, and you and I have had lots of these conversations, um, our our win is Gabriel Escobar. yeah, that's that's our win. and And if we can have two or three Gabriel Escobars at the end of this next segment of our journey, um, that internally, supersedes some of the other stuff that externally we all obviously um uh want, want to have happen but you don't control that right you know not many not many clubs these days win back-to-back things right it's just it's very very hard to do We're we're, we're driven to do it again but but the reality is is one one Goalpost, one guilted chance um, missed, and cha- things change quite drastically. Ball goes in off somebody's backside into your goal, and and you're out, right? And so and so, yeah. Um, trying to make sure that we still understand that we are in a development pathway here, and our job is to develop players and, and push them on. And we, and as part of our strategic uh, objectives for TSS in general. Um, we want to be able to sell a player on within the next five years. And I know that there is behind the scenes, there's stuff happening that may see some compensation internally happening. So when a Gabe Escobar goes from TSS rovers or altitude or whoever, right in the league, and they go into the CPL, there may be some, some, uh, there may be some, uh, uh, um, compensation that ends up in the, uh, the group's uh path that is passed mm. on so we'll see how that goes um but that's our big yeah for me as the sporting director here that's a that's a big kind of thing for us we want to be able to celebrate these these players that that move on into the professional game so
1: fantastic well as always thank you so much for your time always a pleasure chatting to you I'm looking forward to seeing you back at training and i'll be pissing you for a a lot more chats to come. Go and enjoy the rest of your night now for the thank you, sir. The draw. But Cheers,
5: Colin. It.
4: Take care, Mike. a a a
1: Some great stuff there from Colin Elms, just talking about all things TSS Rovers. It's been fantastic to see their rise. It's been fantastic to see the success of League One BC as well in that inaugural season. And we're going to talk a little bit more League One BC after this.
6: Hi, I'm Stephanie LeVay and you're listening to the AFTN
7: Soccer Show.
3: Ashamed when she explained to you, it ain't easy when there's no one to lean on. It ain't easy when there's nobody there. It ain't easy when your lovers are all gone. Nobody there, nobody cares. The potter closed she'd got, nowhere to go. When she'd spilled her tea, have you never thought? She looked so deranged Her perfume turned to gin You looked at her and she began to sing It's our
1: Welcome back to the and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a track from the second specials album, More Specials, released in 1980. That was Peril's Cafe. I love that song on the album, always have. Love the lyrics as well. It's all a load of bollocks, and bollocks to it all. And something else that was a load of bollocks this week. TFC signed Sean Johnson. That in itself isn't a load of bollocks. That's an absolutely fantastic addition for TFC. I would have loved to have brought Sean Johnson here. So that is the the good part of that story. But they're trying to bill him as the Minister of Defence. And as we all know, that is taken by Vancouver Whitecaps' own general manager of women's soccer operations stephanie LaBay, and steph herself retweeted it going sorry question mark so they're trying to take the title off steph steve it's not on
2: it's not possible he's american he's not qualified to be the minister of defense Oh, do you know he, he i didn't
1: even be. pick up on that aspect of it but yeah. yes you are right yeah so well, it's, it's not even possible
0: steve, technically Steve, you don't have to be born in canada to be the minister of defense but you yeah, need canadian, canadian is. citizenship not to be, no, no, you don't. Do
1: you, you mean you they would let me be? I, be well, Canadian
0: citizenship, sure. Yeah, okay, you're right. But um it, I mean, it is a little kind of awkward that Toronto I, C- would choose to use that as their.
2: It, it's mm-hmm. people that are in social media that probably just showed up like maybe a, a year ago, didn't have or an idea some of what was going on. Yeah, exactly. And some interns and so, a
1: funny idea and so oh, this will be great. No one's ever thought of this before. The, yeah, the a- funny a- part a- of the,
0: the video because I, I saw when Steph Lebe a- a- put up the, the sorry retweet. Um, that's when I saw the video. The video, and um, the first time, like it has captured or whatever, but he's talking and I, I misheard him the first time because he's I thought he said hello, TFC fan, like he was talking like there's only one TFC, fan. <laughs> but he actually says TFC fam as in terms of TFC, oh,
1: fam, oh. yeah,
0: yeah. But I thought he said fan, it was really fun. I had a good laugh.
1: That would have been bad. Oh, yeah. The thing, balls. the thing is giving somebody
2: like, like, like. Sure, you can reuse a nickname or whatever, but when it's an iconic situation like that, where he that yeah. she that team took gold medal, it, yeah. it's you don't reuse it. It's like, I don't know what. What are some soccer nicknames? The iconic ones. You don't reuse those then, right? Like the yeah, like um, to me,
1: there's only one Ronaldo. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes, yeah, so that that <laughs>
0: other fake one.
1: Well, that's, that's why in Saudi that's why Arabia.
2: They, well, that's why they use both names when he they call him, right? They don't yeah. use, just use one and that's one. Yeah, that why but... the,
0: the next one in Brazil, his name was
1: Little Ronaldo, Ronaldinho. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of some of the I- other I- iconic nicknames, like the Kaiser, when you hear the Kaiser, yeah. you think Frank Beckenbauer, Frank Granny Shagger, we all know that's Wayne Rooney. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Kelly had a nickname well, too, he... and so did Maradona or something like that. Like, they had nicknames. I just I kind of remember them off the top of my head, but... They had a, like nicknames for sure, um, and and you don't you reuse those when it's somebody like and and yes, you, I'm not comparing Stephanie Labay to those iconic players, but there was an kind of iconic situ, situation happened where people up to, edited her Wikipedia page to include occupation as minister of defense. Like yeah. those kind of things are are huge. Like you don't like it's just people that don't do research when they tweet something out, and thinking is yeah. it never been used before.
0: Yeah, yeah, low soccer IQ. I also think it's kind of awkward because, it's, yeah, like you said, Steve, it's an American, right? Like that is, as much as I said that doesn't matter, it is kind of awkward.
1: Yeah, I mean, no one's going to say L-Tank. There's only <laughs> one L-Tank in MLS.
0: L-Armour <laughs> uh, out Carrier.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let's see if they can sign a, a striker that's got another cool nickname that they can do something with. But yeah that was all a load of bollocks something though that wasn't a load of bollocks was league one finally came to bc in 2022 mm-hmm. and it was a, a great first season for the league we talked a little bit about it with colin in the last part and there's going to be a new team an eighth team now this coming season in nanaimo two island teams and it's, it's great to see it, it growing and I still feel there's a lot more scope to to get a lot more teams in but it's nice to have a, an island derby now in the league as well Oh, totally yeah, so That would be great I, Yeah, looking forward to getting to that So, our second feature interview for this episode is with the League 1 BC general manager Shan Bagshaw So we just wanted to chat to her about the fantastic inaugural season for the league and what might be to come in twenty twenty three. So go stick the kettle on again, you're worth it. Get another biscuit and sit back and enjoy our chat with Shan. So Shan, thank you so much for joining us on the, the show this week to to chat about well, I feel you must look back on a very successful inaugural season for League One BC.
6: Yeah, uh, I think everyone uh, from the league was, was very happy with how uh, the the first season ended up uh, rolling out. Um, the on field performances of the the different teams across all the clubs um, were uh, above what we expected, and so that was great from a player. Uh, staff performance perspective. So, uh, just a, a lot uh, to be excited about and to to build on as we continue to grow into season two coming up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would admit I was a little surprised at the the quality throughout the league. I knew there was going to be some strong teams because uh, watching them in universities and stuff, I, I knew that what teams were maybe going to be strong, but particularly on the women's side. I I was a little bit genuinely surprised at just how strong the depth was because nobody was really getting blown out. there was the couple of like outlying re- results, but this is something that's been needed in the province for for such a while. And when you look back to to your time playing, uh, I know you played with the Whitecaps and they had a, a a good women's league then for Canadian players, but they had been that big golf, particularly on the women's side, and you look now at what's happened here, and you what's happening in Ontario, Quebec, and what's rumored to be happening elsewhere. This has just been such a needed step for Canadian soccer.
6: Yes, for sure. And on the the female side, because there has been such a gap, you potentially it then for players who want to progress to the other level or higher levels, um, once they're done their college or university play that is kind of where, where they stop. Um, But with the women's pro league, you know, it plans to come in domestically in 2025 to have this tier of play is, is so important um, because it gives players that, that stepping stone um, for meaningful, high, high quality matches um, for a large number of of months. Um, And it it just, again, provides some extra exposure uh, and, to be seen, again, domestically or potentially overseas, because you see a lot of players, female players right now in League One Ontario, um, PLSQ, um, and one player from League One, or two players from League One BC, uh, three, sorry, uh, on the female side, going over to, to Europe after the first season. So, it, again, just the platform um, to continue to progress to higher levels of the game.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention that. Um, because like you're looking at it, Bella Rock's gone from TSS, she's over in Germany, Germany just now. I was going to say France, mm-hmm. but that's Kayla Consalves mm-hmm. from Altitude, and then of course Daniel Steer has gone down to Australia, and she's doing so well on the men's side as well. We, we've got Gabe Escobar that's gone into the CPL, and then just drafted this year by Vancouver FC, Anthony White as well. So I I think that like the feedback, I I don't know like how much. The leagues maybe spoke to players after the the season was done when you were just rounding everything up. What was kind of the feedback like from that side of things?
6: Uh, yeah, one of our goals was to to get direct fl- player feedback at the end of the season. Um, and that's something we're looking to definitely do. Um, as we go through this season, um, so we receive feedback uh, end up being from from the clubs the end of season survey, uh, but the the indirect feedback we did get from players was that being able to have the the meaningful games meaningful matches from may through to um you know end of July early August for some clubs it really helped them in their um their player development so they felt like they're in peak form when they came to uh for some of their university seasons so uh, that gives them essentially eight months of, of high-level soccer. So um, I think that was the, the biggest piece of feedback then. They they weren't having to, to ramp up. They felt like their fitness was, was at a higher level to start their season. Um, and just overall, being able to have um, con- consistent play was really helpful in a that, that high-level training environment during those months as well.
1: Yeah, I think you noticed on both the men and the women's side, a number of the players that had played this season went on to have really strong college seasons, and the the clubs that have been linked with universities here had really strong youth sports seasons as well. So, I mean, that was all great to see. So, we'll have a little look forward now into 2023, and I know there's maybe some things that you, you can't say just now, but what's... Your expectations, what's BC Soccer's expectations now for League 2 for continuing this growth of the league this year?
6: I think uh, a, a big goal of the league um, and also of the clubs is just to raise the the standards um, off-field and on-field. So what went well in season one, can we do better? So can the on field performances be consistent? Can the depth of the player pool across the province, across the league within each club gain, gain more strength. So you have the, the pathway from BCSPL to to, um, into league one and, and then onto again, higher levels of play. So the various levels, within the player pathway uh, to support one another. Um, so the, the league's growth from uh, or sorry goal from a, a standards perspective is match day standards being as consistent as possible across the different eight club environments. Um, and the clubs are really working hard uh, to raise raise the standard um, that they have for the match day experience for players and fans. Um, so so that experience as well um, is really important for the growth of the league and the support of the clubs. Um, and, yeah, that, again, this the support that the players get um, to be able to perform to their best and their potential.
1: Talking about that then, because we're, we're talking about a lot of the positives, like there is a couple of negatives or less successful things that I wanted to talk about. And one of them was that fan experience because... Obviously, as somebody that had been doing a lot of commentary at all the various venues, you saw what everything was like. One of them, I guess, being admission fees, where I think the two of the clubs in the lower mainland, I'm not sure, I think Victoria charged as well, but you had some clubs charging money. You had some clubs not charging money. You had some clubs that had great game day experiences and there was food trucks and there were some clubs. I know varsity struggled to get food trucks to come out to, to UBC and there was some clubs that, that had nothing at all. So I guess that's what you're talking about by the standard that everyone has to offer a, a minimum now of something.
6: Yes, exactly. And that the, the clubs are all are, are buying in. They're all definitely on board. They they want to deliver that higher level experience to, to bring more supporters in. Um, so uh, yeah, everyone Um, across the board is aware of of the gaps they had um, internally um, and reflected on that. And they're working to um, yeah, just dot those I's, cross those T's for uh, season two, um, because, again, it only benefits the club um, and the league and just increases the match day experience for their own players um, when you have more people in the stands.
1: Yeah. Also, if you're there for four plus hours, it's nice to be able to grab something to eat as well at some of the yes. venues. Which,
6: yeah, and there are some you know, there are some roadblocks that um, this clubs faced, and yeah, you know, there there's a high demand for food trucks on certain yeah. days, as um, so it makes it a bit tricky. Um, but those are all things that the clubs are are addressing for a year or two, and again, yeah, just trying to um, build on what they did well and yeah, fill the gaps of where um mm-hmm. they can continue to make those improvements
1: I guess if we're talking about the things maybe that hadn't gone as well I'll talk about the other thing as well which was the eyes on the league getting fans in to watch it getting media coverage as well what, what are you hoping to do to kind of raise that for for 2023
6: yeah and um in our, uh, the league's review and assessments, our feedback we got from clubs and other supporters um, at, and media such as yourself is just the importance of accessibility, especially at this level of play, um, The to have a, a paywall, it is a roadblock for some people and um, understandably because there's a lot of different streaming services that um, people's income goes towards. So uh, we a, a big goal for us is to um, make the games as accessible as possible, um, and also we want to increase the the production um, and production value uh, for for matches. So um, the league is it, coming up with a, a, a template for season two, uh, a little bit different than season one. Um, but I think it will enable everyone to have access that um, it will allow them to be able to see the matches and have access to the matches, and uh, the paywall won't be um, an, an issue heading into season two. So that that's something that um, we've been working hard at, uh, you know, assessing how season one went um, and looking at viewership from season one. Um, but just wanting to make the league as accessible as possible, um, so that that's something that we've worked hard to try to uh, focus on for season two.
1: That's fantastic.
6: And connecting t- with media, like local media, local yeah. newspapers, um, because for the larger media, you know, that, that it might that might not be something that or League One might not be something that is their focus for you know the summer. Um, But connecting to community newspapers, community media, that's a really good uh, foothold and place to start. Um, And it is something that we've had bits and pieces of in different areas, Um, like the North Shore News Mm -hmm. um, up in Kamloops. Like they got some great coverage um, in in those two areas and from those two newspapers. So really trying to build those relationships through the league, but also um, directly for the clubs in those areas.
1: Yeah, they they in particular gave fantastic coverage, and I guess that's the benefit of having teams in those kind of areas a, a, as well. And I think the league's very well spread out. When I talk about the new team that's coming in this year as well, Harborside FC in Nanaimo, I think it's fantastic having two teams on the island. You've got that island derby now, and Nanaimo with Nanaimo United and and VISA and stuffs always had good. People coming out to watch their game. So, what are you expecting from from Harborside? It all seems to have gone down quite well for them so far.
6: Yeah, I think they have a lot of um, experience operationally within their club. Um, so, the the excitement um, for them to to join um, and be part of, of League One um, is also uh, comes from a place where they have the experience and they. they c- they know it will be, you know, hard as an expansion team where other uh, the other clubs are, uh, you know, experience it for the second time. But um, with the, the experience throughout the the club and the resources they have um, operationally, I think they'll they'll have the right support. And um, yeah, they are just very the the island derby is something that I think once our schedule is released, uh, it'll have uh, some some match dates there that. Uh, people will be pretty excited about um and opportunities to go and watch those those matches. So, um, yeah, they're just on board and excited and collaborating with the other clubs and using them as a resource as well. So uh, they've fit in really well to the league structure so far.
1: If you're looking at, at growth of the league, I mean, a lot of folk, they'll look at, at League One and they'll just see how fast the, the Ontario side of things is growing. But I, I think the more cautious approach here is probably good because you don't want to dilute the player pool too much and have to bring in players, maybe from outside the province. But how, how big do you think League One could get over the, the next few years? Are there still more markets, more cities that, that you feel are very supportive and would like to come into the league in in, in years three, four, five onwards?
6: Yeah, it's a good question and one that we you know watching from year 1 and assessing the player pool that was already there with the league that's what was so encouraging that on both side both divisions there were so many competitive matches. So that is encouraging and to us shows that then there is a, an ability to um in, increase clubs in the league but also yeah, not to do it too fast, just like you said, because diluting the player pool too quickly and also from a, a league perspective, if just stretching the league operationally. Um, but also I think something that's really important and um because League One BC, you know, our player numbers are lower than League One Ontario. So in turn, like relatively we're gonna have you know less clubs, but when they also have different levels. They have League One and it's now moving into League Two. So they have different tiers. Um, but we continue to assess and adding in the Upper Island for Harborside FC. It you know it reaches a different p- area of the island, um, and so there's other areas in the interior uh, that currently aren't represented in the league. So that that those are areas that we. You know, are, are looking to and trying to connect to see if there's any interest for um, potential applicants in the future. So we don't have a specific number per se that we're looking to. It's about finding um you know, the right applicants um and that meet the the minimum standards to join the league and uh just yeah you know, again the right timing. So um but it is something we're continuing to look at for um heading into 2024 for expansion so but we don't have a, a definite number we mm. look for for
1: um, for going into next yeah. season for example. I, I mean I, a question I, I'll, I'll ask you because we've got you in the show because it's a question I get a, a lot and I, I know it has been explained in the past but just for folk listening that still wonder there's always been questions well why don't you just let the existing clubs that maybe say play in VMSL or playing BCSPL uh, come into the league and it's newer, newer clubs that start. And why? Why did BC Soccer go down that that avenue?
6: Yeah, good question. So the um, the the premise behind that is um, so BC Soccer owns the the brands um, for the league. So the the license holders, the, the clubs, the license holders, they um, they sign a grant to operate the the license. Um, the, they're separate entities from the, from who it's from a youth club. So Harborside FC, many of their staff are from, you United, but Harborside FC is a different entity than Nanaimo United. Um, and they, so they have some similar operations, uh, or operational staff that cross over between the two, um so i guess the best way to explain it is that the um if a, a league one bc organization says oh we can't operate this license anymore uh, then that license could shift to be operated by somebody else um and the but they would still operate under that license There would just be new ownership for example so that way the the brand isn't like coming to an end uh, when um a League One BC club might be shifting ownership.
1: Right, yeah. Um, I I guess talking of that then, you've got new ownership in uh, as well this year with Varsity, Hope and Health, buying over them. It's going to be a big indigenous aspect to the club from what I can see from their social media. That must be very exciting for everyone involved as well.
6: Yeah, and I think it's very important that, um, because we talk about opportunities and that's one of the key pillars of the league, um, there should be opportunities for everybody in the league. So having a pathway um, for I- indigenous youth, adult uh, through sports in League One BC is very important, whether it's through uh, Varsity FC or whether it's through another club. Um, I think being able to see um, m- people in in places helps others know that it is possible. And so it it's very important to have the, that relationship and have, have that pathway uh, through the league. So we're very proud that they um, trusted uh, us as a league to, you know, operate their their club um, and within our framework. So, yeah, we're really, really looking forward to uh, the future and vision for their club.
1: So looking ahead, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday before the Canadian Championship draw. TSS Rovers as League One Champions are going to be in that, which is very exciting and hopefully is now going to be the the way forward. There was the, the League One Women's Championship in Quebec last year. I know that that's the plan at the end of each season to, to have that. Dino Rossi had been speaking to one of the guys at Northern Tribune and had revealed that it looks like BC's hosting the, the League One Championships this year as well, which is also exciting. Can you just talk a little bit about like the League One Championship and also the fact that the League One BC champs now get that spot in the Canadian Championship? It's something I've wanted for ages for, for TSS, having been involved with them from the PDL days. So I, I'm very excited by all of this.
6: Yeah, and I think that, again, goes to show the importance of the, the player pathway and having ties to... Um, with League One Canada and and just the the success of the various clubs at this level to have a place in that competition, it I think it um, it instills a a level of uh, Im- importance to League One BC um, and just the regular season um, and the the opportunities that it can provide players in the platform again. Um there there's a place to to play for, for these players and there's there's more more goals and for them to play for. So um it it brings more eyes to the league to identify players. It gives the players, you know, a continued opportunity to be seen. Um and you know to have the opportunity as a third tier team to play, you know, a, a tier two, tier one team is you know, just like you see over in England, you you see some some great great results and opportunities there. So, just again, continues to drive excitement for the league, and um, I think from the female side, uh, for female players to have the women's interprovincial championship to as that tournament evolves, um, to be able to compete against league, league One Ontario and PLSQ again to be seen against their peers and. Um, more opportunities to be scouted it, it's just again continue to provide more opportunities
1: uh, then to provincial thing as well it's for both is it going to be women and men or is it just going to continue as women right
6: yeah then? the goal the goal is to have a, a men's one um the the tricky part there is because the three leagues have mm. such different season lengths because yeah. plsq goes into october um oh, we on, on the men's side the League One Ontario goes September, and yeah. League One BC goes um, till the you know, beginning of August for playoffs. So, the that's the tricky part is just aligning schedules because right now they're just trying to find where in the calendar uh, the tournament could fit on the men's side. But that is a goal and something that they're working on.
1: So, just the last thing to ask you, Sean. Thank you. You've been very generous with your your time this morning. What do the next few weeks and months look like for you? Um, we we're Looking at where, like the provincial cup seems to have moved forward a little bit, so I'm thinking the 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 season starting maybe a little bit earlier this year. When can fans expect to see the schedule? And and then, yeah, how how busy are you going to be now in the next little bit?
6: Yeah, so this uh, the full schedule. Um, with the detailed matchups will be uh, released the week of February 13th. Um, a, a schedule framework uh, is going out uh, today. Um, so it just speaks to, the start, end of the season, uh, a new playoff format, which will be exciting. Um, and the, um, yeah, but for, for my next couple of months, it's a lot of uh, setting up, um, planning, checking in with clubs, see what support we can provide, uh, implementing our platforms, um, and, and yeah, just trying to support clubs as much as possible. So, um, yeah, what the, the big piece though is just ironing out our schedule and um securing venues and times and uh so that that's gonna be coming down the pipeline very soon, which is great. Um, but just a, a lot of uh, planning um to make sure that which will the next two months will go very quickly because the season starts in less than 90 days, so it'll be pretty quick.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Shan. And yeah, I'm looking forward to, to season two.
6: Likewise. Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you. Take
1: care. Great stuff there from Shan Bagshaw, the GM for League One BC. And as Shan alluded to there, there's going to be a number of announcements coming out over the next couple of weeks just about the league and the 2023 season. So we spoke to Shan on Tuesday morning and just a short time after that, the first of those announcements came out with the league revealing the schedule framework for their second season and there's going to be a new playoff format as well. The 2023 League One season is going to kick off on Saturday, April 29th. It's going to wrap up on Sunday, July the 13th. With the addition now of Harborside FC taking it up to eight teams, the 12-game season from 2022 is going to be extended to a 14-game season for this year. The full schedule is going to get released the week of February the 13th, so only two weeks to wait if you're wanting to kind of plan your football-going experiences for League One, Vancouver FC, the Whitecaps. Maybe get some trips in there as well. I know that's what I'm certainly hoping to do. Once again, all the games will be double-headers, with the men and the women's teams playing on the same afternoon or evening. The big change though in the schedule for this year is the introduction of a new playoff format and that should guarantee a little bit of extra excitement because there's going to be two Final Four. So the top four teams in each division will make the semi-finals. They will take place on July 28th or the 29th. Whoever finishes first during the regular season will take on the 4th place team in one of the semi-finals, with the 2nd and the 3rd place teams facing off in the other semi-final. The winner of both those semi-finals on both the men and the women's side will then play in the 2023 League 1 BC Championship final games over the BC Day long weekend again. Once again, that will be at a neutral venue. I can confirm though that that will not be swan guard this year. Because unfortunately, Swan Guard is getting some track repairs done during July and August. So the stadium is actually going to be out of commission for those two months. So they are going to have to find a new venue somewhere else. Will it be the island? Will it be the interior? Will it be somewhere else in the lower mainland? Maybe Vancouver FC's new stadium could be put to full effect for then. We'll have to wait and see about that. One of the other big changes as well is... We talked about TSS in the last part and being in the Canadian Championship as League 1 BC winners. This time around, whoever tops the regular season championship is going to be League 1 BC's representative in the Canadian Championship in 2024. So it's not going to be who wins the championship game that is going to be next season's representatives. It's going to be whoever Tops the regular season on the men's side. And on the women's side, whoever wins the regular season, is also going to be the League One BC representative at the Women's Interprovincial Championships. More on that in a sec. One of the other things that Shan alluded to there, because obviously there's some things that she can't quite talk about yet, and it is going to be the, the streaming aspect of the league. Expect an announcement on that very soon. And by what Shan said there, it's looking... Like it's going to be a chance to get more eyes on the league this year. And that can only be a good thing. It's going to be interesting to see how the league grows. And also League One elsewhere. Because there's still a lot of talk that it's going to be a a League One Prairies. Or League One Alberta and Prairies. Maybe League One Atlantic. Um, There's a good article actually up on Northern Tribune this week. If you want to check that out. Where they chat with Dino Rossi just going into a lot of details about the future for League One across Canada. A lot of it focused primarily on League One Ontario. We hope to get Dino on the show as well, closer to the start of the League One BC season. One little tidbit that came out though from that chat is last year they had the inaugural League One Women's Championship and it took place in Quebec Mm -hmm. and it's penciled to take place in August this year in BC, so that should be Absolutely That's fantastic, exciting. yeah. So exciting time ahead for League One. Let us know if you're over in the nine one you're going to be a Harborside FC fan, we'd love to hear from you as well. But that is it for our more localised football chat. We're going to be turning our attention to the grander continental side of things with our football chat next, after this.
2: Hi, I'm Alan Koch and you are listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
4: Order? Good boy, you led me to believe that you was going out with a girl and she left you and married someone else. So you got drunk and smashed up your ex-girlfriend's property. I have come to one conclusion that is to sentence you to five months in prison before they take you down to the cell. What have you got to he for to
3: be something but she knows he never will. She's got him where she wanted. And he thinks that she'll be happy When she's
4: hanging out the nappies If that's a happy marriage I'd prefer to be Unhappy
1: Welcome back to the and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our final track, paying tribute to Terry Hall this month. It's another song from the special's first album. I've always loved this song, Stupid Marriage. Great song, I could have played it in full, but I, I got it down to just over 90 seconds, so that... It took me a lot to do that. But I hope you've enjoyed all our stuff from Terry Hall. Paying tribute to the great man, the great vocalist, the great great lyricist. His career with the specials, Fun Boy 3, The Colour Field, more as well. We'll have a new Artist of the Month next month. And sorry to disappoint you, Zach. I'm keeping that skinhead band that you wanted until March when Football Violence Awareness Month is back. Because they've got a song that ties in with it. That'll surprise yeah.
0: you. Yeah, I have no desire to hear
1: that. Oh, it's a great band. We've played oh, them before, yeah. the Skin Flicks from Luxembourg. There's your oh, teaser yeah. for March. But we are going to have uh, a great band in February. I've I've gone back 40-odd years. It's a good post-punk band, so... Yeah, I'm sure there's Folk & Whistler just now turning off their, their radios. As they are there not it.
0: any like country football songs?
1: Um... I... I, I've got a lot of football songs that mention half of that word. <laughs> a good one about Gareth Southgate, actually, but I've never played that in the show. Do you want me to play that? I could play that this week if you want.
0: I'm not I'm not saying I want you to play
1: that. I, I, that's what I heard. No. Anyway, let, let's get out of this hole and let's get back into the football chat. We heard stupid marriage there from the specials and there seems to be a lot of marriages in North American soccer at the moment. You've got the marriage of Liga MX and MLS with the Leagues Cup that is going to take place this summer. And this week, CONCACAF announced a marriage of sorts. They're calling it a new strategic collaboration agreement. Marriage sounds much nicer. Although, maybe I will refer to Caitlin and me as having a strategic collaboration agreement moving forward. We'll see how that goes. ball and CONCACAF have come to an agreement and it's an agreement kind of in three parts. First of all, Copa America 2024, which had been penciled to take place in Ecuador, but Ecuador decided that they couldn't organise it because they, they had some public security issues is what has been said. Nothing to do with this plan coming forward, but Copa America 2024 will be played in the United States in the summer of that year. It will include the ten CONMEBOL teams and the six best CONCACAF teams will be taking part as guests. So a sixteen-team tournament altogether. The traditional CONMEBOL tournament will be co-organized by both confederations. It'll come eight years after the Copa America Centenario in twenty sixteen. The I think you went down for some games in that, Zach, didn't you? I went down to Seattle got to actually see Messi. The only time I've seen. Messy play in the flesh, and it was a fantastic occasion. I loved that, and I'm very excited by this.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's great that presumably Canada will get to be a part of part of a competitive a competitive deal, right? Going well, like, ahead hope
1: of, hopefully, because yeah, hope, the that's the six Concacaf teams will presumably, be qualifying based on the 2023 well, 24 Concacaf It would be a Nation catastrophe week. if they don't. I so they sh- they should get through, Steve, and that that would be a fantastic occasion for them.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I th- yeah, I agree that they should definitely get through. But you know, you're always going to have that nervousness about that. Um, I I think it's like the uh, I think it's what we the uh, you know Canada needed and stuff like that in order to make sure that they have some kind of competition um, against top quality teams going into 2026 because they're not qualifying. And um, and obviously this will help them get some of those in. Obviously, they're going to have to do a lot more for friendlies against top teams. I was hoping they'd play something this, you know, January or whatever, but nothing happened from there. So yeah, it's just a matter of getting as many games as possible to get prepared for twenty twenty
1: six. And. The thing with this, I I think it's it's great for fans, it's great for the teams, it's great for for the players. Just everything about it, I'm very, very excited. It had been rumoured for a couple of months now. I also am very excited to see how some of these Cornwall teams are going to deal with CONCACAF officials. Uruguay and CONCACAF referees seems a marriage made in heaven for watching as a fan. (laughs) Should be tremendous entertainment. But, as I said, it's a a three-part strategy that they've gone for. And on the women's side, women's national teams, CONCACAF has invited the top four CONMEBOL national teams to participate in the 2024 CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup. The inaugural edition of that competition is a 12-team tournament. It's a key part of CONCACAF's new women's team national ecosystem that they've got. It's also going to get played in the United States. They need to start having these competitions, though, elsewhere in CONCACAF. It is my only complaint about this. Two guaranteed CONCACAF teams that will participate, and that's the two that's qualified for the 2024 Summer Olympics, that's the US, and Jamaica or Canada. So we're thinking it will probably be Canada. And they'll qualify directly for that Women's Gold Cup. The remaining six CONCACAF teams will be determined through the 2023 road to CONCACAF World Gold Cup. The four guest CONMEBOL teams that will participate have been determined based on the results of the 2022 Women's Copa America. So it's going to see Brazil as champions, runners-up Colombia, third-placed Argentina and fourth-placed Paraguay. But th- this is just great for the the women's game in the region and in South America as as well, Zach.
0: Yeah, I'm um... It's uh, encouraging to see Concacaf have uh, have a plan to grow uh, the women game the women's game here, and also encouraging that Comal Bowl is looking to to grow theirs as well. Because uh, I guess Concacaf, in a lot of ways, has been kind of dominant. <laughs> um, yeah, so exci- exciting for that, and yeah, the Gold Cup I think should be or could be a, just a, a great. Uh, another great tournament in the, in the women's games I, I know the women's don't get a lot of maybe as many friendlies it feels like or as many like um there's no nation's league for them right so no uh um but they have like a lot they have a ton of tournaments <laughs> it feels like there's all mm. these like four four eighteen tournaments around the world yeah well stuff. you've got like the she believes
1: cup you've got the one down cypress and
0: the Algra- yeah. Algrave in yeah. portugal um, so yeah, but it would be nice for one like this that has more weight to it, you know, it's like is is a, a more confederation based thing. So yeah, the, but that's The that's more, more
1: competitive things to grow the game and help yeah. oh, the smaller nations really, because unless they have these kind of games, then just not going to develop as well. And it's a good test. Canada's needed this as well. And then hopefully we'll have a women's league as well to draw some players from round about that time. So that's the the two international sides of things. And the the third one, Steve, is at club level. CONMEBOL and CONCACAF are going to organise a centralised Final Four style club competition featuring the best clubs from the respective confederations. The four participating teams, two from each confederation, will qualify through existing CONMEBOL and CONCACAF club competitions. And um, the two confederations are working towards the first edition being played in 2024. So from a CONCACAF side of things, obviously the CONCACAF Champions League winner. And it's whether they maybe have the last two winners or whether they have that winner and maybe the League's Cup champion as, as well as the, the two representatives from CONCACAF. It, it, it's great. It's exciting. It's new competition. How do you fit all this into the calendar though? That's my
2: thing. Like, I don't like. I I feel like like the yes, the hardcore s- soccer fans will have no problem following this, and maybe that's going to be enough to support these tournaments. But if they're looking to expand uh, more people to watching soccer, this gets more and more confusing for people to figure out what's going on. Is this what tournament is this? Is this a friendly? Does it mean anything? I I, I just don't know. So it, it's 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 to be interesting to see like how this works out. It could be a complete disaster, but it it probably will work uh, for definitely the the people uh, with eyes on it from TV or stuff like that.
1: Because the thing is, Zach, like they're saying, they'll qualify through existing Concacaf club competitions. So I mean, the easy thing you could do is say, all oh, the MLS champs get in, and the Liga MX champs come in, but then that excludes the rest of Concacaf. Yeah, exactly. So it can it can it's only good. be Champions League, or maybe factor in leagues cup stuff as well, but. I mean, playing wise for the players as well. Like, if you're going to continue to have the League's Cup, which it looks like it's a an annual thing, you're already stopping the season for that. You've yeah. got clubs that's taken part in the Champions League, and now somehow they've got to maybe fit in the final four competition as well.
0: Yeah, is this is, is this
1: somehow connected
0: to the new giant World Club Cup cup thing?
1: I mean, who knows? Maybe I don't know. It's. I mean, on on paper, it's great. As a fan, it's great. You'd love to watch it. If it, I mean, I guess if we're being in all honesty, aside from Seattle having become the first MLS team to win the Champions League, it's always been Mexican teams. So it might not actually affect MLS clubs too much because they might not be qualifying for this tournament, but you can be pretty sure Don Garber is going to be pushing for somehow to have MLS representation in it. Oh, yeah, of course.
0: That's part we, of
1: the <laughs> For me, this is
2: just—it just screams of money grab, like everything else. Like it's just yeah. getting uh, too, uh, and and eventually you're gonna have players that maybe, like they're not able to last long, their careers, mm-hmm. not like because they just don't have time to recover anymore.
1: Well, I mean, they're talking about expanding the MLS playoffs. They're expanding everything. There's just more and more games, and it's. Yeah, it's a lot of football. As a fan, it's great. From the players, it's not so great. And from a scheduling aspect, it's also not so great. But, I mean, early days, we'll see how all of that plays out. That is pretty much it for the football chat for the show this week. We're going to finish, though, with this week's wavelength. And I want to build on the wavelength that we played last week, which was Fat Father singing a song, Soccer Dad, which I picked because of the whole... Bear halter, Raina stuff and I'm going to follow up on that with a, a song about soccer mums this week and this is a song from 2012 and it's from Australian band, from Melbourne they're called Flaccid Palms and this is from their album Half Cocked Soccer Mum I see
7: you driving in your box of steel For Give us a break. Who the f do you think you are? Man, there's no need for language. I'm just trying to do my job.
6: Well, obviously they don't care because they can't see, can they? Well,
7: yeah, but it's not the point. I mean you might kick one of them. All.
6: Oh I've only been parked here for
4: 30 seconds.
7: I think you'll find it's been longer than that. This is
4: what you call a job, you fing
7: it's all I've got. I'm sorry.
1: Shocker mum there, Flaccid Palms, from their album Half-Cocked. You can find that on Bandcamp, com, And I just wanted to follow that up after the the Berholt Arena stuff, which is still dragging on a little bit, Zach. Claudio Arena stepped down as... Technical director of Austin this week,
0: and Ernie Stewart's gone to pay. Ernie ready.
1: Stewart's gone as well. Yeah, he's gone to Holland. Um, Reyna is continuing though as a technical advisor for now. But I mean, you have to think that this has played into it. And then Gio Reyna, who you've been watching and sending <laughs> us messages, some fun little celebrations from him. Obviously, taking well, a pop at some people.
0: Well, he he's been yeah he's been a substitute for Dortmund, and they're opening two uh games to the in 2023 scoring the match winner in both both of them quite late um one almost i think near the last kick of the game um i can't remember i they won they won their sunday match they won their third but he did not score i can't remember if he even played um uh but yeah he's yeah i think he's done the celebration where he sticks his fingers in his ears yeah. or something i don't know if he used to do that before or i don't know if it's uh against anyone or whatever but um He's doing he's doing the business on the pitch as a substitute at least, but yeah, that I mean, the whole situation is just weird.
2: Yeah, you know, you guys talking about the whole Burhalter situation. I'm wondering if this all started from when Reina traded Burhalter's kid to Vancouver. You know, almost like sending him there, maybe you know, cutting his salary in half because of taxes and stuff like that. Maybe it all started from there, and that's where it all started, and oh, it just maybe. kept going on from there.
1: <laughs> Very good, Steve. Very good. Just want to finish this bit just with a a comment that was left on Facebook. If if anyone didn't know, we brought out an extra podcast all around the whole Bear Hall thing. That was episode 67. If you're not a subscriber, check out AFTN.ca to find out how you can be for just $3 a month or $30 a year. We've also brought out episode 68 now as well, which is Zach and myself... Looking at the demise of FC Edmonton, a little bit of audio from former head coach Alan Koch as well. But anyway, back to the Berhalter-Reina thing. Chris left a comment on Facebook that I just wanted to read. Because it's excellent, it just sums everything up. He's like, this US men's national team Berhalter-Reina drama is is, like you said, Michael, a horrible mess. I feel so bad for Berhalter's wife and thought it was very poor and unprofessional of the national team board to not show any compassion or express how they are supporting Berhalter's wife, even though she is not a staff member. They never addressed any support or assistance specifically for Berhalter's wife. That was something I picked up on right away once uh, I'd heard that press conference that we included in the extra podcast. The Reina family has brought embarrassment to the game of soccer. Based on how they chose to react so publicly, after what had been said publicly by Berhalter, if what is true about what has been said about Gio's attitude and performance during the World Cup, then it sounds like the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Gio is going to have this matter, and how his mother got involved, hovering over the rest of his career. A player who feels entitled and feels to deserve special treatment can be a cancer to a team. Regardless of the outcome of the investigation, The national team could easily say, based on the US team not making it out of the group stage, this last World Cup, that that is the reason for his potential contract termination in future. There's a high likelihood Reyna could be frozen out in the future. I just hope if Berhalter is released as head coach that it was due to his performance and has nothing to do with the historical incident in question with his wife. Too much has cancel culture impacted on our society. Society has been so quick to judge and convict those... Even if it is just a rumour or allegation, in the eyes of cancel culture a rumour or allegation seems to be all that is needed these days to publicly condemn and convict someone. Do you honestly think anyone is perfect and no one in the world has done something personally embarrassing or had something negative happen to them in their life? Everyone makes mistakes, everyone is imperfect but an imperfect society is hypocritically okay to judge and be the judge, jury and punisher. For when one is publicly shamed and placed on the public pedestal for something they have done in their past. The Berhalter who is 18 versus the Berhalter who is the current national team coach share the same name, but are not the same person that we have watched coach the US team. My heart goes out to the Berhalter family for how this has transpired so publicly. As someone who would support BVB, I would be concerned as a fan with the attitude and behaviour of Reyna and how much this will impact his performance and reputation. Moving forward. I mean, so far, uh, as we touched on there, as what Zach said, he's come out all guns blazing and his form seems to have improved by this, or after all this. I'm sure there'll be a lot more fallout from that in the weeks and months to come, and when there is, we'll be right here for it. But that is it for this week's show now. Hope you've enjoyed it. It's been packed. It's been a lot of different stuff that we've talked about. Just before we go, Steve... Any final thoughts from you? Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at
2: Whitecaps Pete. And uh, what I learned this week, well, what I would advise is that, you know, when we talked about Rob Friend and doing half face in purple, um, I would recommend not doing the other half face in black. Uh, that could actually cause more issues down the road. Um, so I definitely don't
1: recommend that. Yeah, very wise words there from Steve. Always thinking ahead. Zach, your final thoughts?
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary I I don't have anything as uh, interesting as Steve today, but um, looking forward to the FA Cup uh, replay.
1: Yeah. So were oh, the Whitecaps that... as they they tweeted? I, I don't know if you saw that tweet. No. They, I said something a lot. I'm paraphrasing because I can't even bother looking it up. They were basically saying, "Oh, Ryan Reynolds, always exciting. Looking forward to the replay." And a Rexham fan just replied, going, "Weird."
0: Yeah. That is weird. What is this, is it on the is it, is the fixture? It's not. They haven't set a date yet, have they? Or is that uh, it'll
1: it'll be next Tuesday? Because oh, it's okay. always the the following midweek. Okay, it'll cool. be live on TV, so that'll be good. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. I, I I like that they've got the replays because the the Scottish Cup they've been going straight to extra time and penalties because of fixture backlogs and stuff. To me, they should always have replays, and if they don't have replays they need to have it the the lower seed always hosts so you're you're doing away with the replay for them so give them that chance the only thing is a lot of the smaller teams want to be at the big teams because more the, money the owners me, yeah. do at least because they're going to get more money and ultimately for some of these teams if you can get drawn at old trafford the emirates you're you're basically very old season yeah it's like two years worth that you that you're almost getting your income in because it's half the gate so a, a lot of the team's owners want that the players want to play at the, the big stadiums as well but I know a lot of the fans they want it at home they want a chance to, to have those Cup upsets. I don't
2: know some fans might want to go to the bigger stadiums too just to experience their team playing at those big stadiums
1: I don't know I went to Ibrox to watch East Fife in the Cup and Rangers wonderfully put all the East Fife fans at the the second half of the stand underneath all the Rangers fans. So we're getting all this shit thrown over at us.
2: Oh,
0: hey, speaking of Scottish football, Celtic, in this transfer window, has transferred a right back, the Croatian right back from the World Cup, uh, Ura- Uranovich. Mm. I might pronounce that they transferred him to Union Berlin.
1: Yes, that was why is... they brought in Johnson. So Johnson is his replacement? Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, cool.
1: But well, that is it for this show Thanks as always for listening Until next time Take care Thanks for listening And just enjoy the wonder That's Canadian soccer Bye everyone Going to your first match Is an experience you'll never forget